You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler. Episode 81. I think as a coach, I think remembering, and I have to teach myself this too, pretty regularly, I talk to myself this way, is to bring what the client needs, bring what they need, not what you think they need or what you're really good at, but be who they need you to be in that moment and be able to flex and go where they're going, particularly when they're tired or exhausted or upset. Because, you know, trying to stay with an approach when there's not resonance happening back and forth and there's not rapport, you just wasted their time and you didn't help them at all. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, Star Coach listeners. Welcome to this week's show. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler, and I am looking forward to exploring this week's topic with you. Before we do that, I do want to take a moment to thank those of you who've responded to my plea for some iTunes rates and reviews. I promise you there's a reason why I'm asking. It helps increase the visibility of the show. So for those of you who took a minute and left me a review on iTunes, I appreciate it. And I'm just going to continue to ask uh, if you're getting value from the show, if it's something that you think other people would also value being aware of the show, then take a minute to leave a rate and review on iTunes. It definitely increases the reach of the show. And if you're not sure how to do that, there is a link on starcoachshow.com that says leave a review. It will take you to iTunes where you just click view in iTunes, rating and review. And I think the most difficult thing is just finding a nickname that hasn't been taken. So it is doable. I leave rating and reviews for other podcasts uh, frequently because I know how important it is. So thank you. And and let's get into what we're talking about in this week's show, which is the concept of coaching somebody who's in overwhelm. And specifically in this show, we're going to be focusing on coaching executives in overwhelm. Although I will tell you that the principles that our guest is going to share with us are really applicable to whether you are a life coach or a small business coach or a relationship coach. We all have moments of overwhelm and our clients have moments of overwhelm. And our guest today, Cindy Henson, does a wonderful job bringing forward some principles, some steps for us to take as we approach coaching with somebody who is in that state of overwhelm. Cindy Henson is the Chief Executive Officer of Henson Consulting Group, 
She's a dynamic leader with deep experience in designing and implementing collaborative and innovative systems that quickly achieve results in large organizations. She has some real life experience that she is able to apply to her coaching and is bringing that wisdom to all of us. I know you're going to enjoy her perspective and the interview with Cindy. So let's go ahead and join our interview with Cindy Henson. Cindy, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is lovely to meet you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It is exciting to introduce you to the audience because you're bringing a topic that I think every coach, whether they're working with executives or not, has the experience of working with overwhelmed clients. It can be challenging. In that, I think that each of us enters into the coaching space from a different perspective. And many times, the clients that we end up being attracted to working with have something to do with the journey that we've been on ourselves. So I would like to maybe open up with you sharing the journey that led you away from corporate America into your life now and a little bit about what might resonate with you about overwhelmed executives. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Meg. And I really appreciate being on this interview with you and, and welcome to your, to your listeners. I'm, I'm truly hopeful that this is helpful for them because I suspect this is an epidemic and that in fact, they as coaches have overwhelmed and overworked executives a lot that they spend time with. So a couple of things. I think you're absolutely right. I think we we have these interesting personal stories that we all come from, and they somehow tend to be like the thing that we need to learn, but also then the thing we need to teach at some point, I believe. So I think it's 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 the gift and the silver lining that I think happens in our challenges in life. Yeah, it's sort of like when we learn it, we're that much better able to be empathetic and also share share what we've learned in such a way that we can be that space for somebody else to learn and be their partner in that. Well, that's exactly right. I think it's one thing to be empathetic because I think we can all learn to be empathetic. It's entirely another when your heartstrings are tugged because you've been there. Right. And anyway, it's much easier to be empathetic. You don't even have to concentrate uh, because you... You know exactly what's going on for them, you know, in the in the space that they find themselves. Mm -hmm. So the place that I found myself after 22 years in corporate was overtired, overworked when computers and cell phones came on, you know, available 24 seven and working a very difficult IT project at the time. I was an IT executive and I got very sick and had a health challenge that got me to thinking that, in fact, uh, all my excellent executive and project management skills were not going to be enough to get me out of this dilemma. And where I went myself was into a mind, body, spirit kind of space and was fortunate enough to be able to quit corporate, go to Costa Rica for a year. And I know everybody can't do that. I really understand that. And I went to the United Nations University for Peace. And I earned a master's in international peace and conflict studies, which was 
truly right up my alley and completely different than my MBA. Oh, and such an exciting master's. I think I need to have you back for a show just to talk about your master's. Yes, I would love to. I would love to. And, and just for a moment. So imagine people from around the world coming to teach our courses that had worked on the Ireland North South dilemma had worked on you know, Israel and Palestine's issues. I mean, imagine that for a moment and you're like, oh, yes, yes. I mean, I was all ears, right? I was a mature student. I was in my mid 40s. Everybody else was in grad school in their 20s. And so that in and of itself was an experience. But really what I got from that, Meg, and in coming back to the States and really trying to understand how could I apply really more peaceful thinking into the way that I do work was all about creating the space for people to contribute their own gifts to our world. Because I believe we all have gifts. And I've always believed that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was living it entirely because I was trying to give everybody else's gifts. And so I was overtired, overworked, all of the things that a lot of executives are. And in fact, there's something very endearing, empowering when people and executives that I coach understand who they really are, what they have to contribute, the areas that instead of trying to figure out what they're not and becoming more of that, it's so energy draining that it actually works so much better to do what you do well, more of that. It's energizing. It gives you energy. And then you supplement the other pieces by hiring other people that are different than you. And to me, that's the key. Okay. Because Because otherwise, you're always trying to be all things to all people. You're trying to fill all the roles. And nobody can do that. Well, not only that, but I think sometimes we even fall into that imposter space of, I know deep down that this isn't my genius work or that that, that I'm not bringing as, as much value as somebody else might, but I'm trying to be all things to all people. So then it it's a self-confidence issue and it's a it's an energy drainer, like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I see it all the time in my coaching practice. Executives, I mean, the demands are very high. And whether they're external demands or internal mm-hmm. demands, they're real. They're very real. And then when you add that along with, so their demands at work, and you add that along with their family, their personal life, their financial circumstances, and all those obligations, you know, you just have a recipe of a train wreck, you know, almost in slow motion, getting ready to happen. Right. So what do you, you know, we're going to focus on how from our position as coaches, we can partner with these burnt out executives. And I I would say to those of you in the audience who don't work with executives, chances are you work with somebody who has experienced overwhelm. And yes, our focus is going to be on executives, but my guess is you're going to be able to pick up on some of the things that Cindy's sharing and apply that to whatever your niche is, whoever Mm -hmm. your population is. Mm -hmm. So when you get called in and you realize my client is overwhelmed. This woman is just has way too much on her plate or this gentleman is being too many things to too many people. What where do you even begin in that situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to start with asking them about when they've been their best in their life, what it felt like, what it looked like. We teach passion and purpose, 
workshops. So those those clients that I have done that with, I start mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And what does it really look like when you are at your best? Even think back in the past when you have been at your best. What does that look like? And I haven't describe it because what I know is generally what happens for all of us, by the way, me, me included, is our perspective gets small, our world gets small, and it needs to be enlarged again. And in order for it to be enlarged again, we just need to be reminded of our own greatness. And so part of that is digging back from the past when you were at your best and mm-hmm. when you were great and asking questions around that so that they can feel it again, so they can see it again. And then we can dive into that and then potentially overlay those skills on top of the current situation. Absolutely. So, so much research shows that as you get stressed, you become tunnel vision. And when you become tunnel vision, options are limited. And as you said, tapping into the greatness is like the blinders are on. So great. So first, we want to tap into a better experience, a different time, open up those options. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. And, and generally, people and executives, and, and actually even 20-somethings, have had times in their life that have been great. Mm-hmm. And so even if they didn't even know how to do something yet that is like what they're doing today, it's immaterial. It's around the feeling that happened, what was, how did they engage with it, how did their thinking go? It's all of those kinds of questions that you're really trying to get them into. And what I notice is they just get lighter immediately, immediately. And so it just gets bigger. And it's just a conversation so far. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything yet, but that's okay. They have to be able to imagine it before they could ever possibly do it. So tapping into that emotion, and it's not necessarily an emotion around when have you done this particular thing well, it's when have you felt greatness? Mm-hmm. And really getting them grounded back into that emotion rather than the emotion of overwhelm or distress mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. all those energy draining emotions. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, in, in various principles that I've put together, they're not having fun anymore. Mm-hmm. They may have some things from their past that they haven't resolved or haven't worked through. They maybe have lost their way and don't know exactly what excites them these days mm-hmm. in their life and their career. So those are the first few steps. Once, once the conversation is opened back up to something larger that you can kind of start diving in a little bit deeper. Okay. So which parts of those might we want to know more about? So we've, we've kind of tapped them into those better feelings or that more invigorating feeling. What mm-hmm. next? Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think that we all have gifts and talents that we've learned over the years and that when we are able to express in the work we do for a living and our entire life for that matter, you know, we talk so much about executives and work life, but you know, it's just one life. Right. <laughs> so, so the personal life influences the professional, professional influences the personal and it's one life. And when people are aware of what they love, and what they're good at. And maybe they have left in the past because they're not doing it anymore because obligations came or responsibilities came or, or some other fill in the blank reason. And they go back and they retrieve that. Life just gets better for them. So for example, I coached somebody not too long ago that is now moving into retirement, highly successful executive. And it's like, I don't even know what to do with my time. 
Right. And, and so, you know, I mean, it, and it's not uncommon, right? And so as we started talking more, what she said was, gosh, when I was in college, I loved being a photographer. It was so fun. I was so good at it. And, uh, you know, and I asked her, you know, in detail, what did she love about it? And she was able to describe it all. And it's like, well, so have you been doing photography? No. Why not? Well, because I didn't have time and, you know, all the reasons. So here we are 30, 40 years later. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what would happen if you picked up photography again? Well, it's all digital now. Okay. So it feels completely different to her. And feels inaccessible. Oh, but it's like, well, isn't this interesting? Because you're a learner. So maybe this would be like a really cool learning thing, along with getting your passion back and your mojo for something you really loved. What would that look like? Oh, my gosh. She's just launched off. She's doing great things. She's got a website. She's putting it all together. Anyway, on fire again. But you also tapped into one of her strengths. But you're a learner. How can you use that in this experience? And it, it completely opened up, took those blinders off. Yes. It's a shift. It's a shift. Yes. yes. And it happens inside of them. Right. It's inside of them. Yeah. It's not there a was, telling thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It was yeah. sort of like all you had to do was hold up them, but you're a learner. That's one of your strengths. And oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that you said that I really want people to hear is that just because we're coaching executives doesn't mean we coach them in a vacuum. Their mm-hmm. life. So I'll have students sometimes ask me or mentees, well, I'm executive coaching this person. So am I like not to ask about any of their other aspects of their life? Well, you know, executives are people too. They put their pants on one, one leg at a time like the rest of us do and are very much impacted by their family life and their their community. And, and in fact, when they're not, they tend to be that much more overwhelmed and stressed because they are siloed. And so I just want everybody to hear, yes, when you coach executives, you are hopefully coaching a whole person. Yes, yes, entirely. And I, and I find a lot of my colleagues are afraid to go there. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to go there as though, I don't know, I've asked a couple of times, well, maybe it's not my business. I said, well, they won't answer you then. Yeah, it's fine. Or, or, well, I didn't know if that was okay. And I'm like, look, if you're committed to them, you're committed to their entire life. They just happen to do something called being an executive at some organization. Right. And that's the portal you came in. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, exactly like you said, Meg, you're people first. You right. got to connect. You got to connect. And I mean, knowing about their families and what they do and what's important to them, all of that is part of the picture of them and how they express in the world right. um, of which work is just one of the ways. Right. And when we, if, if the concern is, well, the organization is sponsoring them and why would they want to pay for us to talk about family or whatever? Because when that executive is more connected to all of their pieces, they are a more effective executive. That's right. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. Absolutely right. Mm. Good. Great information you're sharing. So now we've tapped into fun and passion. And since we've taken the blinders off, we're seeing a, more options. Part of that is what are we passionate about? I, I, you mentioned that you 
teach a passion and something. Purpose. Passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. Wow, I bet that's powerful. Mm -hmm. It is. Well, it is because it's a series of exercises that one goes through in a day. It's a day workshop. And it's a, that takes you back to remembering who you really are all the way back, back even to your first memory and all the way forward. And then how it is you contribute that in the world, including your work. So it's really a day about you that a corporation or an organization pays for. That's a gift to you personally. Oh, and how powerful. Oh, very powerful. Great. Mm. And then at the end of the day, you walk away with a passion and purpose statement that can be hung up, used, verbalized, and then at the beginning of every meeting, so in an organization when everyone has their passion and purpose statement, this is what we're saying aspirationally where we are and who we are. And so this is our best and highest. And so when everybody knows what each other's best and highest is, then what tends to happen is we tend to bring it more yeah. instead of how we feel we aspirationally will behave more in accordance with who we say we are. And, oh, by the way, because, you know, no person's an island, we're also having the experience of being able to ask each other, hey, how are you living your passion and purpose today? Because I bet you fear was not in there. And people just laugh and they go, yeah, you're right. Fear wasn't in there. It's like, okay, then how would you behave right now? What would you do? What decision would you make if you weren't afraid? And if you were actually living your passion and purpose, what is that decision? So they start helping each other. Wow. And so you bring up another, you are such a wealth of information, but you brought up something else that I I want people to hear, which is fear diminishes our scope. And when you were working with somebody with overwhelm, I would bet dollars to donuts, there's an element of fear in there. We don't tend to be in complete overwhelm and burnout if we're filled with love and joy. They just are sort of incongruent. So when you are tapping somebody into their passion and purpose and they're filled with that energy, there's far less focus on fear and fear diminishes opportunities. So I... You know, fear mm-hmm. is a really powerful, fear is, is the opposite of love. And, mm-hmm. and it is sort of the base of many of our diminishing emotions. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And, and, you know, to be able to call it out or to talk about it or to identify it as such, like moves it out of being the boogeyman and actually shines light on it. And it usually diminishes. What else do you do with people when they're in um, overwhelm? You've kind of opened their perspective. We've tapped into passion and purpose, what else do you do to help them overcome? Mm -hmm. So once we're at that stage, you know, we're kind of at a level playing field now. It's like as much as possible, we've neutralized the fear. We've brought forward some tools from the past that could actually be applied in the future. And then I generally ask people what it is they want to create. What do you want to create? And sometimes they don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I give them homework. And, and I ask them to be as explicit as they can possibly be. I, I had a conversation with an executive this morning, very frustrated with his executive team and how they're performing. And the homework I gave him was, could you please write down what your perfect executive looks like? What they do, how they act, how they think, how they behave. And then let's talk about that next week. And why, do I, why did I give that homework? Because he is not seeing the goodness he is seeing his, his own frustration and it's playing out. And I 
understand it. It is frustrating. I do. Yeah, we're not judging here. We just want to open up new avenues. Yes. Yeah. New avenues. And he goes, absolutely, I can write that down. I go, great. It'd probably take you 10 minutes. You know, you just bang it out. He's like, absolutely. I know exactly what I want. I go, great. Write it down. Send it to me. We'll talk about it next week. So there's something about like, okay. So once we have that, what I'm imagining, it depends on what how, how it's written. But what I'm imagining would be the next step is, okay, got it. First of all, does everybody on your executive team know that, right? It's like mm-hmm. the expectation. And I'm sure the answer will be, well, they should. <laughs> and, and I get it. I bet I you're exactly it. right. Yes. And, I, and so, you know, so then we'll have a conversation about, let's have a meeting about it. Let's distribute it. Let's all talk about it and what that looks like. And then let's grade ourselves and each other on where we're at on that. Then we'll know where the gaps are. But together, we'll know where the gaps are. Not, I'm sitting over evaluating which, you know, I mean, executives become executives because they're good at evaluating and problem right. solving. I understand that. <laughs> and yet that is not the only tool that can be used to grow an organization. It's one tool, but it's not the only tool. And so how do we enlarge that and start to identify some very specific gaps? So first of all, I predict there'll be a lot of clarity that happens that was not clear. Mm-hmm. Second thing I predict is there'll be a difference of opinion of scoring and rating. Mm -hmm. That'll be something to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is then once we agree on that, there'll be some gaps and then we can put our shoulder behind. How do we, how do we merge and fill those gaps? That's what I'm imagining. We'll see what happens. We'll have to come back around and see what happens. But that's the game plan. But, but the key things there are, you know, increased clarity tends to reduce overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And coming up with a plan to experiment mm-hmm. with. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. But it mm-hmm. is, it takes us from, I don't know what to do. I'm just frustrated and angry. And to mm-hmm. let's increase clarity. Let's, mm-hmm. let's use that mm-hmm. clarity to come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. For Excellent. sure. Yeah. Outstanding. Um, and thank you for bringing an, an example. I think that helps the audience get that mm-hmm. much clearer about how, how does this work exactly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. Good. What else would you like us to know or do you implement when you are working with somebody who might be in a place of overwhelm or burnout? Mm-hmm. Another very big piece is, and you hear this a lot in particularly spiritual teachings as such, but this idea of being of service and giving fills our well when we do that. Yes, people, people experience the gift and that's a positive. But we're actually the ones that win. We're the ones that actually get the good feeling from it. We're the ones that feel better about ourselves. We're the ones that start to put into perspective what's really going on in our lives compared to others that aren't as fortunate. All those things start to happen. So one of the principles that I live by and that I work extensively with coaches on is what's good is happening in those people? What are they really good at? What do you really appreciate about them? And have you told them? Have you told them? Mm-hmm. Because we can think it, but if we right. don't say it out loud, it doesn't have the biggest bang that it can have. Mm-mm. But it's, a, it's an amazing thing that happens, not just for the recipient, the employee, but for the executive. Because things, when I'm in overwhelm or overwork, it's hard to see goodness around right. me. And, but there's plenty of it. And so, so I find that they actually resonate with 
being able to see their colleagues bigger than maybe even the colleagues are seeing themselves right now and appreciating them for what they bring and who they are and why you enjoy knowing them as human beings. There's just something very powerful about that. And, and you know, you don't start with that because everybody, they don't think you're listening to them. Right. But they're in their overwhelm and you're like, hey, it's all rainbows and, you know, yeah. unicorns. What good can you, know, you see? And why don't you go spread the sunshine? Yeah, not interested, not yeah. interested. And eventually once the perspective is grown or enlarged, mm-hmm. give those couple of things as assignments, amazing things happen beyond what I could even predict and what they could predict. And, and I love having those conversations afterwards. It's like, Hey, who did you appreciate this week? Yeah. Tell me how it went. What did you do? How did you talk about it? How was it received? What, what else happened? And it's always something that was not imagined because that's the spark that happens between human beings. And so helping them recreate some of those sparks by some of these assignments actually gets them back into, oh, well, maybe it's not as bad as it felt, right? Because you've shifted the lens completely. Instead of looking, we can always find what's not working. Actually, our brains can find whatever we choose for it to look. So if we're going to look for what's working well, there's a plethora of that. And if if we're going to look at what's broken, well, we can see all sorts of that as well, which Mm -hmm. is why problem-focused coaching doesn't tend to get anybody anywhere. Mm-hmm. So such powerful stuff, Cindy, incredibly powerful information. I would like to, I have a feeling you could go on for another half an hour <laughs> about it because you have, and I want to be sure that we have time to talk about your book that's coming out actually early May. So it's right around the corner, but I do want to ask, cause we will make time for both. If there was any other gold nuggets that you wanted to share that that we didn't get to yet before we get into talking about your fabulous book. Thank you. I think as a as a coach, I think remembering and and I have to teach myself this too pretty regularly. I talk to myself this way is to bring what the client needs. Bring what they need, not what you think they need or what you're really good at. But be be who they need you to be in that moment and be able to flex and go where they're going, particularly when they're tired or exhausted or upset. Because, you know, trying to stay with a, an approach when there's not resonance happening back and forth and there's not rapport, you just wasted their time and you didn't help them at all. So there's something very important about being able to, to flex with them, in my opinion. And to be the kind of coach that particular conversation that they need you to be, mm-hmm. even if it's outside of your own wheelhouse or it's not how you planned it to go. Absolutely. So important. And with that, that that's just reflected also in this book. So I had the pleasure of being able to review your book that's not even released yet over the weekend. And can you tell us a little bit of what's the name of your book? Sure. First of all, thank you for reading it over the weekend. <laughs> it's called Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom. And I love the cover because it has a woman with a briefcase at on a path walking into the jungle. So that was me 15, 12 years ago, 14 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> and leaving the corporate jungle for the jungles of Costa Rica. That's how I like to talk about it. And so that's the name of the book. And it is a, it's a personal transformation journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm very hopeful that what I really want people to, to have an opportunity to learn about themselves, should they 
have time to pick it up and be interested in reading it and really bringing their whole self to the book because there's some dear reader sections. So some exercises and questions that they yeah, can really good introspective uh, reflective assignments at the end of each book at each chapter. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. But what I'm really hopeful about is, boy, what if, what if you didn't have to have a health challenge or, you know, lose a, you know, part of your career or have a divorce or have some kind of big deal happen to give you the two by four and you could actually ask yourself some questions before that, that could actually adjust your path. If you're finding that the path you're on is not the one that you're meant to be on, you're finding yourself on it, you're there, but what would it take? And what kind of courage would it take to even explore the thoughts? Because generally, or at least in my experience, as I was on this path was, I wasn't even willing to ask. I just wasn't willing to ask. I was in full denial. I didn't even know I was in denial. So I'm hopeful that readers would would come on the journey and ask themselves, do I love what I'm doing in my life? And is the price I'm paying, whether it's time, whether it's the kind of career, whether it's where I'm living, all of those things, is it worth, is it worth, is the payoff I'm getting from all of that worth it? Is it worth it with my family? Is it worth it with my career? Is it worth it with my health? Is it worth it? And do an honest assessment. You don't even have to do anything. You can do that from the comfort of your couch. It's a thought process. (laughs) Right. But be willing to look at it. And I believe that when we have that kind of an opportunity, sometimes things poke through that were not obvious before. And so that's my hope as people pick it up and read it. And and it is such a authentic, transparent, you, you were so transparent and sort of vulnerable with the audience as, as you shared your story. I was mentioning to Cindy before we started taping today that I could see this being a gift that you might give to your clients to explore Cindy's journey and her learning. But with these dear reader notes at the end of each chapter, your client and and each of us as well, because coach heal thyself, could actually explore their own reactions and their own journey through the book. It's like it's like a workbook that isn't a workbook. So thank you for sharing it with us. And speaking of sharing it with us, Cindy has sent a copy of it for our book giveaway. So you're going to want to be sure to be signed up for the book giveaway at starcoachshow.com so that you could conceivably win a copy of Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom. So Cindy, I want to thank you again for spending time with us today talking about this very important subject. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hope your readers or your listeners enjoy the conversation and would be willing to pick up a copy of the book on May 9th. It's available on Amazon. Excellent. As a coach, instructor, and mentor, I think that sometimes that whole concept of overwhelm and and not getting sucked into the problem, but actually being able to help people navigate their overwhelm is one of the sort of overwhelming or daunting tasks that new coaches think about. So I really thank Cindy for bringing her perspective to all of us and helping us explore new ways to approach 
overwhelm in our clients. If you'd like to know more about Cindy Henson or about her book, Jungle, A Journey to Peace, Purpose, and Freedom, go to the resource page at starcoachshow.com. Cindy also provided a handout that is sort of a view into her book with an easy, really lovely sort of visual cheat sheet for her book. And that's available on the resource page as well. Next week, you're going to want to tune back in again. We have Jim Cathcart joining us. Jim is a renowned speaker and author, and he is going to be sharing his wisdom with us next week. So I look forward to seeing you back here. And until then, may all your coaching journeys be filled with success. Here's to your coaching success. This is your host, Meg Rentschler. Have a fabulous week.